Welcome to the UTSC Drama Society Summer Reading Series. On this episode, we'll be hearing an excerpt from Good Night Desdemona, Good Morning Juliet by Anne Marie MacDonald. For context, Constance is a young English literature professor from Queen's University. She is currently attempting to write her thesis to prove that neither Othello nor Romeo and Juliet were originally supposed to be tragedies, but rather comedies. In addition to that, she also believes that Shakespeare plagiarized both pieces from another author. Prior to this, she has been writing works on behalf of her boss in the hopes that he will give her a coveted position at Oxford when it becomes available. However, he has his own plans in mind. This is Goodnight Desdemona, Good Morning Juliet. Constance's office. Constance enters her office, absently humming and occasionally singing fairy tales can come true. She wears a coat, boots, and bright red woolen toque with a pom-pom at the end. She is laden with a book bag, a complete works of Shakespeare, and a stack of dog-eared loose-leaf foolscap. The telephone rings, but Constance, in the middle of jotting down a particularly salient note on her foolscap, only manages to lay her hand on the phone just as it ceases to ring. She removes her coat, under which she wears a crumpled tweedy skirt and jacket suit. She forgets to remove her toque and wears it throughout the scene. She sits down at her desk, opens a drawer, and takes out a package of Velveeta cheese upon which she nibbles while warming to her subject. Throughout the rest of the scene, Constance works aloud in her doctoral thesis, a copious dog-eared document handwritten in green ink on foolscap. Um, Romeo and Juliet and Othello, The Seeds of Corruption in Comedy. Of all Shakespeare's tragedies, Othello and Romeo and Juliet produced the most ambivalent and least Aristotelian responses. In neither play did the supposedly fate-ordained deaths of the flawed heroes and heroines seem quite inevitable. Indeed, it is only because the deaths do occur that they can be called inevitable in hindsight, thus allowing the plays to squeak by under the designation tragedy. In both plays, the tragic characters, particularly Romeo and Othello, have abundant opportunity to save themselves. The fact that they do not save themselves tends to characterize them as the unwitting victims of a disastrous, practical joke. Insofar as these plays may be said to be fatalistic at all, any grains of authentic tragedy must be seen to reside in the heroines, Desdemona and Juliet. A sheaf of paper slides under the office door. Constance goes to the door and stoops to pick them up just as they begin to slide out again. A little tug of war ensues. Suddenly the door opens against Constance's head. She stands up to see a young female student. I'm sorry, Miss Ledbelly. I thought you were out. Oh, um, I'm in. Student takes the sheet from Constance and writes on it. I put the incorrect date on my essay. <laughs> oh, what's today? Uh, it's the first. The first what? Of the month. Oh. Student hands essay back to Constance. Uh, I know it's a week past the due date, but uh, you remember the extension you gave me, huh? I did? Uh, yes, because I've been ill lately. Oh, <coughs> yes. Well, whatever. That's fine. Thanks, Miss Ledbelly. What, um, what was this assignment? The effect of filth on Renaissance drama. Good. That sounds just fine, Julie. Uh, Jill, uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, miss. By the way, uh, I like your hair like that. It's really pretty. Oh, thanks. She vaguely touches her hair below the toque. Exit student, Constance closes the door, then stuffing the student's essay into her book bag. Lie that there. 
No, where was I? She takes a bite of Velveeta and settles down to work. Uh, at, at the tragic turning point in Othello, even the hardened fatalist is at pains to suppress a cry of warning, Edest. Oh, Othello, oh, tragic man, stop your ears against the false yapping of that cur Iago. The divine Desdemona, despite her fascination with violence and her love of horror stories, and aside from the fact that she deceived her father to elope with you, is the very embodiment of purity and charity. Constance opens her Shakespeare, oblivious to Othello and Iago, who enter and play out the following scene, over which she reads silently to herself. My lord, Othello, did Cassio, when you wooed Desdemona, know of your love? He did from first to last, Iago, and went between us very oft. Indeed? Indeed? Aye, indeed. Decentest thou aught in that? Is he not honest? Honest, my lord. Honest? Aye, honest. My lord, for aught I know. What dost thou think? Think, my lord? Think, my lord? By heaven thou uh, echoest me, as if there were some monster in thy thought, too hideous to be shown. Thou dost mean something. If thou dost love me, show me thy thought. My lord, you know I love you. Constance takes a previously opened can of Coors Light Beer from her desk drawer and sips it. We are willing to accept Iago's effortless seduction of Othello unto foaming jealousy. The more is, after all, an aging warrior in love with honor and young Desdemona. Constance turns a page of Shakespeare, back to Othello and Iago. Villain, be sure thou prove my love a whore. Be sure of it. Give me thy ocular proof. Tell me but this. Have you not sometimes seen a handkerchief spotted with strawberries in your wife's hand? I gave her such a one. Twas my first gift. I know not that, but such a handkerchief. I'm sure it was your wife's. Did I today see Cassio wipe his beard with? If it be that. If it be that, or any that was hers, it speaks against her with the other proofs. Hath Desdemona forty thousand lives. One is too poor, too weak for my revenge. Damn her, lewd minx. Oh, damn her, damn her, oh. I will chop her into messes, cuckold me. Oh, this in her. With mine officer. That's fouler. Get me some poison, Iago, this night. Do not do with poison. Strangle her in bed, even the bed she hath contaminated. Good, good. The justice of it pleases. Very good. Now art thou my lieutenant. I'm your own forever. Othello and Iago embrace, then exit. But we cannot help suspect that all might still so easily be set to rights. And there's the rub. For it is this suspicion which corrects our pure experience of fear and pity at a great man's great plight. And by the end of the handkerchief scene, threatens to leave us, frankly, irritated. Constance sips her beer just as the door bursts open. Another young female student, Ramona, stands in the doorway, all business and very assertive. Hello, Professor. My name is Ramona. I'm not actually, I'm, I'm just an assistant professor. Constance suddenly remembers her beer and conceals it. Oh, well, I wonder if you could pass on a message to Claude for me. Claude? Oh, you mean Professor Knight? Yes. 
Just tell him I won the roads. Congratulations, Ramona. Thanks. But the way, Corsbeer is part of the right-wing infrastructure that has brought this hemisphere to its knees. Oh, sorry. It was a gift. Exit Ramona. Constance picks up her beer, goes to throw it away, looks around, then drains it furatively and pitches it into the wastebasket. In Romeo and Juliet, Shakespeare sets the stage for comedy with an invocation of those familiar comic themes, love at first sight and the fickleness of youth. But no sooner has our appetite for comedy been whetted when Tybalt slays Mercutio and poor Romeo proceeds to leave a trail of bodies in his wake. Constance turns another page of her Shakespeare. Enter Tybalt and Mercutio. Mercutio, thou consortest with Romeo. Consort? What, Tybalt, dost thou make us minstrels? And thou make minstrels of us look to hear nothing but discords. Here's my fiddlestick. Here's that shall make you dance. Enter Romeo. Romeo, the love I bear thee can afford no better term than this. Thou art a villain. Tybalt, the reason that I have to love thee doth much excuse the appertaining rage to such a greeting. Villain am I none. Therefore, farewell. I see thou knowest me not. Boy, this shall not excuse the injuries that thou hast done me. Therefore, turn and draw. I do protest I never injured thee, but love thee better than thou canst devise, till thou shalt know the reason of my love. And so, good Capulet, which name I tender as dearly as mine own, be satisfied. O oh, calm, dishonorable, vile submission! Tybalt, you rat catcher, will you walk? Only Romeo would confess to Tybalt that he has just become his cousin-in-law by marrying Juliet. Such is our corrupt response that begs the question, is this tragedy? Or is it comedy gone awry when a host of comic devices is pressed into the blood-soaked service of tragic ends? I am for you. Gentle Mercutio, put thy rapier up. Come, sir, you passato. Tybalt and Mercutio fight. Hold, Tybalt! Good Mercutio! Tybalt, under Romeo's arm, thrusts Mercutio in and flies. Courage, man. The hurt cannot be much. Why the devil came you between us? I was hurt under your arm! A plague of both your houses! Mercutio exits and dies. Enter Tybalt. Alive in triumph, and Mercutio slain? Thou wretched boy that didst consort him here, shout with him hence! They fight. Tybalt falls. Oh, I am fortune's fool. Exit Romeo, Tybalt, Mercutio. Constance reaches into her book bag and withdraws a pack of player's extra light cigarettes. It's empty. She spots the chorus cigarette butt on the floor, picks it up, and carefully begins to repair it. What if a fool were to enter the worlds of both Othello and Romeo and Juliet? Would he be akin to the wise fool in King Lear? A fool who can comfort and comment, but who cannot alter the fate of the tragic hero? Or would the fool diffuse the tragedies by assuming center stage as comic hero? Indeed, in Othello and Romeo and Juliet, the fool is conspicuous by his very absence. For these two tragedies turn on flimsy mistakes, a lost hanky, a delayed wedding announcement, mistakes too easily concocted and corrected by a wise fool. I will go further. Are these mistakes in fact the footprints of a missing fool? A wise fool whom Shakespeare eliminated from two earlier comedies by an unknown author? Not obstante. Although a fool might stem the blundering of Othello and Romeo, the question remains, would he prove a match? She pops the cigarette butt between her lips and hunts for a match. 
for Desdemona and Juliet? Or are these excellent heroines fated to remain tragedies looking for a place to happen? Having failed to find a match, she tosses the cigarette butt into the wastebasket, then opens the ancient manuscript. It is the same length and width as Foolscap. She becomes momentarily absorbed in it, trying to decipher it, turning it every which way. Nevertheless, I postulate that the Gustav manuscript, when finally decoded, will prove the prior existence of two comedies by an unknown author, comedies that Shakespeare plundered and made over into Aristotle's tragedies. It is an irresistible, if wholly repugnant, thought. The office door begins to open slightly. Oblivious, Constant resumes her soft, tuneless singing. She takes up her fountain pen once more, but discovers it is out of ink. She bends down to her book bag on the floor to look for a refill and does not see Professor Claude Knight enter on tiptoe. He's about the same age as Constance, is perfectly groomed and brogued, speaks with an Oxford accent, and oozes confidence. He silently perches on her desk. She rises from the depths of her book bag, sees him, and hits the roof. Oh! <laughs> Got you again, Connie. Huh. Oh, Professor Knight, you scared the daylights out of me. You must learn to relax, my little titmouse. You're working too hard. Speaking of which, have you got something for me? Constance stares at him for a moment too long before answering. Yes, it's somewhere here. She begins rummaging. Professor picks up her green ink thesis. He shakes his head. Constance surfaces from her desk with a thick essay, also handwritten in green ink on foolscap. She sees that he is reading her thesis. She shoots out her hand involuntarily and snatches it for him. Don't read that, sir. The ink's not dry. She stuffs her thesis into a drawer of her desk. He wipes his green ink-stained fingers on his handkerchief. Still harping on that Gustav manuscript, are you? I hate to see you turning into a laughingstock, Connie. You know you'll never get your doctorate at this rate. I know. I guess I just have a thing for lost causes. You're an incurable romantic, Connie. Just a failed existentialist. Tapesting after the Holy Grail or the Golden Fleece or some such figment. Whoever cracks the Gustav code will be right up there with Darwin, Bingham. And Don Quintux. The best tenured minds in the world have sought to translate it for the past 300 years. What gives you the notion you're special? I'm not the least bit special. I'm, I'm just one flawed and isolated fragment of a perfect infinite mind like anybody else. I, I think that I exist in that you and I are here chatting with the sense of evidence of each other insofar as we're not over there not chatting. So I'm not special. Unique, maybe, in the, in the sense that a snowflake is unique, but no more valuable than any other flake. It's just that I, I did win the Dead Languages Prize as an undergraduate, and it would be a shame to hide my light under a bushel. Say you did crack these obscure alchemical hieroglyphics. What if they turned out to be a grocery list or some such rubbish? I think it's source material that Shakespeare wanted to suppress yet preserve. And I suppose you've feverishly identified a whole raft of anagrams to support this hearsay? As a matter of fact, yes. If you take the second letter of the 18th word of every second scene in Othello and cross-reference them with the corresponding letters in Romeo and Juliet, it says, I dare not name the source of this text. Text? Well, text. I'm missing the letter E. It was probably deleted in later printing. Your fascination with mystery broadens on the vulgar, I'm afraid. 
can't help it. I'm a fallen Catholic. It's left me with a streak of whodunit. Well, whodunit? What became of this mysterious source material? I think Shakespeare gave it to his elderly friend Gustav the Alchemist to shroud in an arcane code, and that's what's in here. Oh, Cotty, you've such an interesting little mind. Thank you, sir. Hand it over. Constance thinks he's referring to the manuscript. No, ye gods forfend, not the decrepit tomb. The, ahem, your latest commission. Oh, the essay. Here you go. I hope I've destroyed Professor Holofern's book to your satisfaction. I'm sure it's up to your customarily dizzling standard. Did you remember to give yourself the usual thanks for irksome proofing of the text? In point of fact, sir, I took the liberty of dedicating it to myself. That's awfully sweet of you, Connie. Tisk, 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 your hand gets more cryptic all the time, like the tracks of some tiny green creature. I do wish you'd learn to type, my dear. I'm wary of doing my own typing, and I daren't trust anyone else with our little secret. I'm working on it, sir, but my fine motor skills are really poor. Indeed. I'm ready for my next assignment, Professor. I've sharpened my nib to a killing point. Uh, and dipped it in venom to paralyze the academic foe with one poisonous phrase. Just name your victim. Connie, there remains but one thing you can do for me. Oh, what's that? Tell me, do you like it? Oh, Professor Knight. Claude. Oh, Claude, it's the most beautiful diamond I've ever seen. Dear Connie, thank you. I'm the happiest man in the world. So am I. I can't quite believe it. Neither will Ramona. Ramona? Oh. I'm going to miss you, Connie. Am I going somewhere? I am, pet. I've decided to take that lecturing post at Oxford myself, even if it does fall somewhat short of a challenge. Oh, I thought you might recommend someone less distinguished, say, an assistant professor for that job? That's what I thought, too, until Ramona won the rose. Now it's Oxford for the both of us, eh? Now it's Oxford for the both of us, eh? What? What about, will I still work for you? I'm afraid not, love. I made full professor today, so the pressure's off. Congratulations. Not to worry, I've lined up a lovely post for you in Regina. Thanks. What's your schedule like day after tomorrow? I'd hope you'd help me pack my books. I'd love to, but that's my birthday and I planned on going to the zoo. Birthday, eh? Chalk up another one for the Grim Reaper. Still 29 and Holden, are we? Well, many happy reruns. <laughs> I've got a dash. I'm addressing the Literary Society this evening, which reminds me. But Constance has anticipated him and hands him another sheaf of inky green foolscap. Here's your speech. Thanks, old girl. He tugs the pom-pom on her toque, then exits with... Oxford, ho! Constance slowly pulls off her toque and drops it into the wastebasket. She's in shock. This is the nadir of her passage on this earth.
Regina. I hate the prairies, they're flat. It's an absolute nightmare landscape of absolutes and I'm a relativist, I'll go mad. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Diamonds are harder than a bed of nails. I can't feel anything, I'm perfectly fine. I'll call the Dean and resign. I'll go back to my apartment and watch the plants die and let the cats copulate freely. I'll order in groceries. Eventually I'll be evicted. I'll smell really bad and swear at people on the subway. Five years later, I run into Professor Knight and Ramona. They don't recognize me. I'm selling pencils. They buy one. Suddenly, I drop dead. They discover my true identity. I'm awarded my doctorate posthumously. Professor Knight dedicates his complete work to me and lays roses on my grave every day. My stone bears a simple epithet. Oh, what a noble mind is here or thrown. There is no time to lose. I have to start right now if I'm going to sink that low in five years. Grabs phone. Dials. Hello? Give me the office of the dean. Oh, yes, I'll hold. While holding, she surveys the objects on her desk, picks them up one by one, addresses them, then tosses them into the wastebasket. The bronze wings that my brownie pack gave me? Read the inscription. To the best brown owl in the forest. I flew up more girls than any brown owl other than Lady Baden-Powell. Toss. Picks up a jar that contains something like an anchovy. My appendix. It was removed in the summer of love when the rest of my family went to Expo 67. The doctor gave it to me in this baby food jar. He thought it would cheer me up. It did. Toss. Takes the plumed fountain pen from behind her ear. The fountain pen I made for my parakeet Laurel. She used to sing Volaire. She fell five stories and died instantly. Goes to toss it away, but cannot bear to do so. She replaces it behind her ear where it stays for the rest of the play. Picks up the manuscript. And this, my fool's gold. Silent, mocking oracle. I'll do the world a favor. Constance goes to toss it in the wastebasket, but her gesture is suddenly arrested in midair, and she stares, spellbound, at the inscription on the cover. Heart music and light effects. She blinks and tries to focus, as though the inscription were swimming before her eyes with a disorienting effect. Constance reads the inscription aloud. You who possess the eyes to see this strange and wondrous alchemy, where words transform to visionary, where one plus two makes one, not three. Open this book if you agree to be illusion's refugee, and of return no guarantee unless you find your true identity and discover who the author be. Constance hesitates for a moment, then opens the manuscript. Its three pages fall out and down into the wastebasket. Constance sets the cover on her desk, then stoops and reaches into the wastebasket to retrieve the pages. Suddenly, her arm jerks downwards. She is being pulled down into the wastebasket. Warp effects, sounds of screeching, wind, and music. When the sound and lights return to normal in Constance's office, she is nowhere to be seen. The phone receiver dangles off the hook. Smoke issues from the wastebasket. The chorus's head, a cigarette between his lips, emerges from the wastebasket. Give witness an impossible event. A teacher, spinster, old maid, some would say, whose definition of fun and excitement is a run of ibits in an essay, disappears before your very eyes. Suspend your disbelief, be foolish wise, for anything is possible you'll find within the zone of the unconscious mind. His head disappears back into the wastebasket. During the scene change, we hear Othello and Iago via their enhanced voiceover. Think, my lord. Think, my lord. By heaven, thou echoest. Indeed. Indeed? I indeed. Think, 
My lord? Speak, my lord, I. Have you not sometimes seen a handkerchief? If it be that. If it be that. Goats and monkeys. Indeed. Act two, scene one. Othello's Citadel at Cypris. Othello and Iago reprise the end of the handkerchief scene. Desdemona's strawberry-spotted handkerchief hangs out the back of Iago's hose. Tell me about this. Have you not sometimes seen a handkerchief spotted with strawberries in your wife's hand? I gave her such a one. Twas my first gift. I know not that, but such a handkerchief. I'm sure it was your wife's. Did I today see Cassio wipe his beard with? But if, if it be that... If it be that, or any that was hers, it speaks against her with the other proofs. Constance's head peeks out from behind an heiress. Had Desdemona 40,000 lives! One is too poor, too weak for my revenge! Damn her! Lewd Vinx! Oh, damn her! Damn her! Oh! I will chop her into messes! Cockled me! Oh, this foul in her. With mine, officer. That's fouler. Get me some poison, Iago, this night! Do it not with poison. Iago hands a pillow to Othello. Strangle her in bed. No. Both Othello and Iago turn and stare at her, amazed. Um, you're about to make a terrible mistake, my lord. Shocked and at a loss for words to explain her statement, Constance gathers her courage and timidly approaches Iago. Excuse me, please. She plucks the handkerchief from Iago's hose and gives it to Othello. Desdemona's handkerchief! Which thou didst say she gave to Cassio? Did I say that? What I meant to say. Oh, oh, oh! I see thou knows of thine, but not that dog I shall throw it to! My lord, I can explain. Oh my god, what have I done? She grabs the handkerchief from Othello and tries unsuccessfully to stuff it back in Iago's pocket. Look, just forget you ever saw me here, okay? She grabs the pillow and offers it to Othello. Here. Othello ignores the pillow and proceeds to bind and threaten Iago. I've wrecked a masterpiece. I've ruined the play. I've turned Shakespeare's Othello to a farce. Oh, Jesus, they've got swords. And this is Cyprus. There's a war on here. Oh, please wake up. Please be a dream. I've got to go back home, back to my cats. They'll starve. They'll eat the plants. They'll be so lonely. Please, I've got to go. Where's the exit? Stay! Sure. 40,000 lives were not enough to satisfy my debt to you, strange friend. I'd keep you on this island till I knew which angel beached you on our warlike shores and how you gained fair knowledge of foul deeds. Well, actually, I've studied you for years. You must be a learned oracle. I'd have you nightly search the firmament and daily read the guts of sheep for signs to prophesy our battles with the Turks. I only know of your domestic life. And of the murderous viper in my breast. My shame is deeper than the Pontic Sea, which ye would drown in my remorse, remorseful tears whose crashing waves are mute before the trumpet cry of this atoning heart would tremble Jericho. Oh, well, I wouldn't dwell on it too much. You'd never have been jealous on your own. Oh, yes, I had forgot. Twas all my fault. 
was all thy fault! If you'd be the mirror of my soul, then you must learn the story of my life, of moving accidents by flood and field, by hairbreadth scrapes, I the imminent deathly bre breach of being taken by the insolent foe. Oh, yes, I know. So we all know the wagon swagger of this tale. In Egypt, kicked I sand into the eyes of infidels who thought I made a truce when I did give to them a pyramid on wheels they pulled into the garrison. But I had packed it full with Christian men who'd slit the savage throats of every Turk. That sounds like Troy. Not Troy, but false. And, and Des De Desdemona fell in love with you because she loved to hear you talk of war. These things to hear she seriously inclined. I've always thought she had a violent streak and that she lived vicariously through you, but no one else sees eye to eye with me. Yet I maintain she did elope with you and sailed across a war zone just to live in this armed camp. Therefore, he's not a Moor. A Moor? Aha, c'est ça. Et pourquoi pas? Here comes the lady! Let her witness it! Enter Desdemona, attended by a soldier who carries her needlework. Oh, valiant general and most bloody lord. Oh, my fair warrior. My dear Othello. Divine Desdemona. My better self. Othello and Desdemona embrace. And my escaped prey, I'll trap thee yet. That I love my lord to live with him, my downright violence and storm of fortunes may trumpet to the world. My sole regret that heaven had not made me such a man. But next in honor is to be his wife. And I love honor more than life. Who's this? Everyone turns and stares at Constance. Hi, Testimona. This is like a dream. You're just as I imagined you to be. Constance, in awe, reaches out to touch the hem of Desdemona's sleeve and fingers it throughout her next speech. I'm Constance Leadbelly. I'm an academic. I come from Queens. You're real. You're really real. As real as thou art, Constance, Queen of Academe. Is that my true identity? Gosh, <laughs> I thought I was a teacher till today. A learned lady, a almost rare and kind. And does your husband not his prize this knowledge? Oh, I'm not married. Most unnatural. A virgin oracle. Thanks be to Diane. Brave aged maid, to wander all alone. I'm really more of an armchair traveler. In fact, this is the biggest trip I've made. I've only ever gone on package tours. I long to hear the story of your life. There isn't much to tell. It's very dull. I'm certain your life's much more exciting. This modesty becomes your royal self. Othello, may she lodge with us a while? I would she'd never leave this bristling bank. She hath uncanny knowledge of our lives and sees us better than we see ourselves. So now art thou my oracle and chastity. Othello grips Constance in a bear hug. Hither sent by fortune, she hath saved me from predictions such as nothing else could match. Make her a darling like your precious eye. You are her greatest friend but don't tell why. 
Deliver up the handkerchief, thou cur. Othello takes the handkerchief and presents it to Desdemona. I was just testing you, my lord. Exit Othello and Diago. If I do vow a friendship, I'll perform it to the last article. Othello's honor is my own. If you do find me foul in this, then let thy sentence fall upon my life, as I am brave Othello's faithful wife. Desdemona seizes Constance and squeezes her in a soldierly embrace. Thanks. A blast of trumpets. Ah! Ah! Supper! They have killed a suckling pig in honor of thee. I am a vegetarian. That is, I don't eat flesh of any kind. Such abstinence is meat in vestal vows. Therefore, in all points do I find thee true. I'd serve thee, pedant. Beg of me a boon. Though it be full of poison, difficult to eat, and fearful to be granted, I'll perform it. There is a problem you could help me with. I'm not sure how to say this. Speak it plain. All right, I will. I'm from another world. I, Academe, and ruled by mighty queens, a race of Amazons who brook no men. It's really more like... Nothing, if not warlike. I join these ranks of spiked and fighting sheaths to camp upon the desert's bust and sing our songs of conquest and a dirge or two for sisters slain on honor's gory field. If only I could bring you home with me. How anywhere with thee, my friend. That's it. You see, I can't return until... That is, my queens have charged me with a fearful task. I must find out my true identity and then discover who the author be. Thou dost not know thyself. Apparently not. Do none in academe know who thou art? Maybe. They call me Connie to my face and something else behind my back. What's that? The mouse. The mouse? I saw it carved into a lecture stand. The sculptor dies. Ironic, really, since in my world, women are supposed to be afraid of mice. Oh, fine, that's base. Where be the Amazons? In fact, they're few and far between, and often shoved to the fringe. Let's fly to their beleaguered site. My tasks. The first task is performed already, Con. Thou art an Amazon. I'm not so sure. As to the second task, the author find. There be no authors here but warriors. I'm looking for the author of it all. Uh, How can I put this? Who made you? God made me. But do you know another name for God? God's secret name? That's it. God's secret name. Seek not to know what God would keep a mystery. Have you known God to be called Shakespeare? Shakespeare? He might be a pagan god of war. This isn't Shakespeare. It must be a source. Then I was right about the manuscript. Manuscript. The book that conjured this. It's written by that secret name of God. If I could find those fool's cap pages. Fool's cap? About Yelong and written in a code. They fell into the garbage. <laughs> so did I. This garbage, be it ocean, lake, or sea. A sea, then, if you like. Sargasso Sea. I'll call this quest mine own, my constant friend. Though I should drown in deep Sargassa Sea, I'll find thine unknown author and fool's cap, for I do love thee, and when I love thee not, 
Chaos is come again. A cannon blast. Constance is badly startled. Battle cries within. The infidel! This volley heralds battle with the Turk. Let's to the seawall and enjoy the fray. Oh, no, I, I can't. I can't stand violence. If thou wouldst know thyself an Amazon, acquire a taste for blood. I'll help thee. Come on. She takes Constance's hand and starts to lead her off. Constance pulls back. No, please. I won't look. I'll be sick. I can't even kill a mosquito. Thou shalt be yet alive in Cyprus, Con. Learn to kill. No. That's a fault. Thy sole deficiency, an errant woman that would live alone, no husband there, her honor to defend, must study to be bloody and betimes. Please promise me you'll follow your advice. So will we both, and we be women, not mice. Come, go with me. Okay, I'll be right there. Desdemona exits. They can't use real blood, can they? Another cannon blast. Oh my god. Oh, Constance, don't be scared. It's just a play, and Desdemona will look after you. Desdemona, I am verging on the greatest academic breakthrough of the 20th century. I merely must determine authorship. But have I permanently changed the text? You're floundering in the waters of a flood. The Mona Lisa and a babe float by. Which of these two treasures do you save? I've saved the baby and let the Mona drown. Or did the author know that I'd be coming here and leave apart for me to play? How am I cast? As castaway to start, but what's my role? I enter, deus ex machina, and Desdemona will not die because I dropped in from the sky. Does that make this a comedy? And does it prove my thesis true? In that case, I've preempted the wise fool. He must be here somewhere. I'll track him down and reinstate him in the text, and then I'll know who wrote this travesty, since every scholar worth her salt agrees. The fool is the mouthpiece of the author. It's all so strange. What's even stranger, though? She counts the beats of her speech by tapping each of the five fingers of one hand onto the palm of the other in time with her words. I speak in blank verse like the characters. Unrhymed iambical pentameter. It seems to come quite naturally to me. I feel so eloquent and... Making up the missing beats. Eloquent. My god, perhaps I'm on an acid trip. What if some heartless student spiked my beer? Stops counting. Nonsense. This is in my head. This is my pen. This is Othello, Act 3, Scene 3. Sounds of the fray within. Constance, the fray. Desdemon, I obey. Constance dashes off towards Desdemona's voice. Act two, scene two. Same. Enter Iago, bearing two buckets of filth on a yoke. Othello seeks to hide the grisly news that he didn't almost kill his guiltless wife. So dares not gut me openly in law, but decorates my service with a mean and stinking yoke. For this, I thank the pedant. Othello's vestal mascot, Desdemona's cherished pet. Takes manuscript page from his shirt. My wife found this by chance. It's in no Christian hand but pigeon pecks. The script of infidels, or mayhap not. Whate'er it be, I will endow it ill, for it must dovetail with my plot. Let's see. To venge my, myself upon the bookish mouse, regain my former credit with my lord, and undo Desdemona once again. How? How? Aha. Confide myself betrayed by pedant's lies to Desdemona. 
for she is of a free and noble nature that thinks men honest but seem that but seem to be. I'll tell Constance is a spy and whore who would skewer state and marriage on the same kebab. Thus I blind and train my falcon for the job. Sounds of the battle off as Constance enters. She does not look well. Yaga withdraws to shadows, unseen. Constance collapses on a rampart and hangs her head between her knees. Desdemona enters with a severed head. Between the lips of the head is a scroll. Constance, sister, here's thy boon. Behold what I have plucked off the beach. Constance beholds the head and nearly vomits. Tis like to be thy fool's cap. Take it, read. Constance, trying not to make eye contact with the head, plucks the scroll from between its teeth. She opens it. A bowel falls out. She forces herself to read the scroll. It's in Sumerian. Script of infidels. The tapestries and portraits of the main hall. Five spring lambs, all horse and woman flesh. This isn't it. This is a looting list. Villain. Toss his head off. Constance is about to faint. Faint not, my noble heart of academe. Envision thy worst foe with open gorge. But I don't have a foe. Fie, thou must have. There's only one on earth who I resent, whom I resent. There's only one on earth whom I resent, but never did he mean to hurt me. Nay, who be this false foe? He's Professor Claude Knight. What harm to thee? I used to work for him. For ten years I assisted him by writing. Some articles he would, he would have written himself, had he the time, but he's a busy man. Now he's got tenure and an Oxford post. I hoped it was meant for me. Ten years of ghostly writing for a thief? Thy mind hath proved a cornucopia to slake the glutton's sloth, and he hath cooked his stolen feast on thy Promethean heat. You really think so? Aye, thou wast in thrall, ten years an inky slave in paper chains. Yeah. He wears the laurel wreath that should be thine. I guess he does. And commands the Legion Academe from lecture stands that he usurped from thee. What can you do? Gird thou trembling loins and slay Professor Knight. I'm guilty too. I helped him in deceiving queens for years. This will serve my turn upon the pedant. Exit Iago. Shrouded by the demon knight, and so art thou more sinned against than sinning. Thanks. But tell me more of life in academe, if there be cannibals that each other eat, and men whose heads do grow beneath their shoulders. These things to hear I seriously incline. It is quite dog-eat-dog, and scary too. I've slaved for years to get my doctorate, but in a field like mine that's so well trod, you run the risk of contradicting men who've risen the rank of a sacred cow, and dying on the horns of those who rule the pasture with an iron cud. Not that I'm some kind of feminist. I shave my legs and I get nervous in a crowd. It's just that I was labeled as a crackpot by the sacred herd of academe. And after years spent as the laughingstock, I finally came to think that it was true. But Desdemona, now that I've met you, I want to stand out in that field and cry bullshit. Wherefore? And what, pray tell, may a bullshit be? A kind of lie. For instance, Academe believes that you're doomed and helpless victim. I? I. 
Did I not beat a path into the fray my vow to honour in thy fool's cap quest? Did I not flee my father here to dwell beneath sword Hephaestus forged for Mars? Will I not dive into Sargossa sea to serve abreast the Amazons abroad? Will I not butcher any cow that dares low lies to call me tame? Aye, that I will. So raise I now the battle cry, bullshit. 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 You are magnificent. Othello should make you his lieutenant. You're capable of greatness, Desdemona. Enter the soldier. What ho, what ho, what ho, what ho! Othello, warrior and recounter, would see my lady pennant post post haste in discourse touching secrets of the state. Oh, okay. Bye. Commend me to my lord. Iago enters as Constance of the soldier exit. He sneaks up behind Desdemona with his bucket. She sniffs the air. What putrefaction haunts the island air? Be like the slaughtered entrails of our meal? My lady. Oh, Iago, and so low. But that the love I bear my lord forbids, I'd howl of treachery that tumbled me from officer to sweeper of his sewers. Nay, speak. Since you command it, ma'am, I will. Once proud, I owed the battlements, a proud protective beast to prey upon my lord's fell foes. Now creep I fitted conduits to paw the slime, a declawed panther trapped, and by a cunning mouse. What rodent this? Was that the academic with you now? It was. And called in private haste unto my lord? He makes of her his Delphic prophetess. Othello said she knows our secret selves. Indeed? Indeed. Aye, indeed. Discernest thou aught in that? Is she not honest? Honest, madam. Honest? Aye, honest. For aught I know. What dost thou think? Think, my lady. Think, my lady, by heaven thou echoest me. Thou dost mean something. If thou dost love me, show me thy thought. It were not for your quiet nor your good to let you know my thoughts. By heaven, I'll know thy thoughts. Beware, my lady, of the mouse who eats the lion's cheese while sitting in his lap. Cheese? Mouse? Lion in his lap. To eat there, what? Thinkst thou I'd make a life of jealousy? I would, I did suspect me a harlotry. Go to, thou knave! Desdemona goes to strike Iago. Oh, monstrous world, take note, take note, O oh world. To be direct and honest is not safe. He goes to exit. Nay, stay. Thou shouldst be honest. I obey. And give the worst of thoughts the worst of words. She lacks a husband. So? Tis Vestal's study that anoints her chaste. And pray God she not secretly married. What dost thou mean? A hag may seem a maid, when she in truth is Satan's bride. A witch? She hath uncanny knowledge of our lives. She spake of conjuring, and names for God unknown to Christian years. Of Amazons who brook no men and live alone. Of mice. Her own familiar spirits. Of men that she changed into sacred cows. And so did Circe turn Ulysses' friends to pigs by witchcraft after she had lain with them. 
she's with Othello now. Ye stars forfend, he be not changed by supper time. I'll hence. Stay, ma'am. That is but half her purpose here. Doth not the pedant pray to the fool's cap? It is a boon that I am honor bound to find. I swore upon my life this to perform. The devil thus recruits an honest heart. What's writ upon the fool's cap in what tongue? A foreign tongue that's known to her alone. What if it be an incantation wrought by infidels? I saw her read the script. If it be that. If it be that or any heathen tongue, it speaks against her with the other proofs. Is she an evil witch they have employed to conjure up our secrets to their ears? The Turk did strike the hour she arrived. Oh, that the slave had 40,000 lives. One is too poor, too weak for my revenge. Oh, why did I embrace her as my friend? Tis monstrous, oh! I see this hath a little dashed your spirits. Not a jot. I'll to my lord and dilate all. Hold. My lord's bewitched and hates me now. He'll not believe. Then how should we proceed? Be not forsworn. Fulfill thy boon to her. Recover her unholy foolish cap, her guilt to prove before you strike. And proving guilt, I'll spit her head upon a pike for doors to peck at. Thou wilt instruct me in the manly work of sorcery. Doubtless she is expert there, for all her lack of liver timid show. Patience, I say. Your mind may change. As well it may. La donna è mobile. Yet watch her, ma'am. If thou hast eyes to see, she did deceive her queens, and she may thee. Constance and Othello enter in conversation, unaware of Desdemona and Iago, who draw back to listen, observe, and comment aside. As thou dost love me, not a word of this to Desdemona. She must not suspect. Don't worry, it will be our little secret. <laughs> Desdemona lunges forward, but Iago pulls her back. Look how she laughs already. Othello takes out a large version of the velvet box that Professor Knight had in Act 1, Scene 1. Which jewels most delight your female eye? Diamonds, of course, a girl's best friend. Othello opens the box, takes out a diamond necklace with a prominent gold clasp, and places it around Constance's neck. Festoons the whole with baubles. The bees of Solomon never counseled half so wise unto thy sweet and heaving breast. Do I confide the, uh, the honey of my heart? Drone on, my husband, drone. Don't mention it. Have I ever told thee of the time I slew a singing beast in Turkish Anticoach? Twas on a grassy river bank where grazed a golden ox. The beast did tend this ox. Three heads grew from the soldiers, uh, soldiers of the beast. One, on one, the hair was black as ebony. The other crown was curled angel fair, and third head wore a scarlet cap of wool that ended in a foolish bobbled bright. As I asked the beast to show the shallow spot where it was wont to ford the ox of gold. In some strange way, this beast seems so familiar. Familiar, yet again familiar. Most potent witch to suckle such a beast. You say you killed it dead? The demon fell and bled a sea of inky green. Alas. She mourns a beast of Turkish Antioch. 
I left the thing for dead as I made haste to find a shallow spot and ford my ox. Your ox? Ford your ox. I'm having deja vu. I think we'd better leave each other now. Your wife may come and think some think that something's up. We know what's up and who will soon go down. Adultress, let me stone her in the square. Adieu, friend. I'll have more of thee anon. Othello embraces Constance vigorously. As prime as goats, as hot as monkeys. Othello releases Constance and goes to exit. He stops, sniffs the air. Iago? Emerging from the shadows. My lord? Look to the morning's night soil and keep in the light. Yes, my lord. Othello pats Constance on the head. Night, night. As Othello exits, Constance sees Iago whisper to Desdemona before he too exits. Constance conceals the necklace. Academic! Oh, Desdemona. Hi. I've been meaning to ask you, does Lord Othello keep a wise fool here? The only wise fool is a one that's dead. I hate a tripping, singing, licensed fool that makes a motley of the mighty and profanes the sacred with base parody. Oh. Desdemona glowers at Constance. Are you okay? I have a pain upon my forehead here. Well, I'm not surprised. I saw you talking to that creep, Iago. Creep? Colloquial for base and noisome knave. I'd stay away from him if I were you. Wherefore? Hast thou some secret knowledge of him? Oh, yes. You'd be surprised how much I know. I think not. I think thou knowst my husband. I know some things I hope you'll never know. What passed between my lord and thee just now? Uh Uh-oh. What did you hear? Enough to rear suspicion's head. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, well. Whatever you do, don't let him know that you suspect. Nay, he'll know not that I what ought. Goats and monkeys. Desdemona goes to exit. Boy, Shakespeare really watered her down, eh? I wish I were more like Desdemona. Next to her, I'm just a little wimp, a rodent, roadkill. Furry tragedy, all squashed and steaming on the 401 with Michelin stamped all over me. It's true. People have always made a fool of me without even my knowing. Gullible, that's me. Old Connie, good sport, big joke. Ha. Just like that time at recess in grade five, a gang of bully girls comes up to me. Their arms linked, they're chanting as they march. Hey, hey, get out of my way. I just got back from the IGA. I'm terrified. They pin me down and force me to eat a dog tongue sandwich. I now know it was only ham. What would Desdemona do to Claude? Had she the motive and the cue for passion that I have? She would drown all queens with blood and cleave Claude Knight's two typing fingers from his guilty hands. She'd wrap them in a box of chocolates and present them to Ramona. She'd kill him in cold blood and in blank verse, then smear the ivied walls in scarlet letters spelling thief. To think, I helped him use me. A gull, a stooge, a swine adorned with mine own pearls. A sous chef, nay, a scullery maid that slaved to heat Hell's Kitchen with the baking stench of 40,000 scalding humble pies. Oh, vengeance. Desdemona and Iago enter, sword fighting. 
Iago disarms Desdemona, his sword poised to strike. Constance snatches up Desdemona's sword and thrusts savagely and repeatedly at Iago with, Villainy! 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 Constance disarms Iago. Constance disarms Iago, knocks him down, and is poised to skewer him. May thy pernicious soul rot half a grain a day. She raises her sword to strike, but Desdemona stops her. Old! Desdemona helps Iago to his feet. He glares at Constance, shaken. Twas all in sport. Oh. Aye. Gee, I'm sorry. Um, here's your sword back and everything. Have fun. Dear God, I could have murdered that poor man. I saw a flash of red before my eyes. I felt a rush of power through my veins. I tasted iron blood inside my mouth. I loved it. Constance faints. If she befalls, heaven mocked itself. Holding her sword at Iago's throat. Wretch, be sure thou prove my friend a villainous. Be sure of it. Give me the ocular proof. Iago manages to take the manuscript page from his shirt. Yet be content. Make me deceit. Iago thrusts the page under her nose. What's this? The pedant's fool's cap, written Turkish code, found by my wife in your underwear drawer. Desdemona releases Iago. Damn her, lewd spy. Oh, damn her, damn her. Oh, this foul in her. And to lie with my husband? That's fouler. Fool's cap. Confession. Fool's cap. To confess and then die. First to die, then to confess. Desdemona is about to fall prey to apoplexy when Constance wakes up and picks something off the hem of Desdemona's dress. My brownie wings. What are they doing here? I thought I threw them in the garbage. Oh. She may be honest yet. I'll try her once in fairness. Then I'll chop her into messes. Desdemona impales the fool's cap upon the point of her sword. Hey, Desdemona, look what I just found. My brown owl wings. An owl stands for a witch. It is the shape that Hecate takes at night. I know who thou art, and I saw what thou didst. You mean you found out who I really am? Desdemona nods. Who? 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 The owls cry. Desdemona points her sword with the full scap at Constance's face. Here is the sword of justice. If this be thine, read the verdict and reveal thyself. It certainly looks like the real McCoy. Constance plucks the full scap off the sword. It is. Page one. I must be getting warm. Thou art cold and Cyprus is too hot for thee. Seek truth now in Verona, Italy. There find a third to make a trinity where two plus one adds up to one, not three. Huh, how strange. Warp effects. Constance starts to be pulled off. Desdemona grabs her by the skirt. When the warp effects are over, all that remains of Constance is her skirt, which is speared onto Desdemona's sword. The pedant hath by magic disappeared to fly onto her evil genius, Brown Owl. When she returns with fresh enchantments here, then must the cause of justice claim her life. How shall I kill her, Iago? Iago hands Desdemona the pillow. Act three, scene one. Verona, a public place. Mercutio and Tybalt are about to fight. Romeo looks on, horrified. Tybalt, you rat catcher. Will you walk? I am for you. Gentle Mercutio, put thy rapier up. 
Come, sir, you Posado. They fight. Constance enters, minus her skirt, now wearing her just her long johns, boots, and tweed jacket. Hold, Tybalt. Good, Mercutio. Romeo is about to fatally intervene in the sword fight. One Mona Lisa down and one to go. She tackles Romeo. They fly into the sword fight, knocking Tybalt and Mercutio aside. Tybalt and Mercutio jump to their feet and immediately point their swords at Constance while Romeo sits on her. Shall I lance the pimple or rub the quad to bursting? Name the house that wealth thee, pup. What cannot lose thee hence to interfere with honor's reckoning? Stay, you fright the wretch. Speak, boy. Speak, boy. Boy. A moment of decision. She clears her throat to a more masculine pitch. From Cyprus washed I here ashore, a roving pedant lad, to earn my bread by wit and by this fountain pen my sword. A stranger here, my name is Constantine, I couldn't let you kill each other, for young Romeo and Juliet have wed, and by the untying of their virgin knot have tied new blood betwixt you cousins here. Tybalt, Romeo is your cousin now, in law, and so you fellows should shake hands. A dangerous pause. Then Tybalt turns to Romeo and embraces him. Cousin Montague! Kindred Capulet! Mercutio and Tybalt embrace. Constance in turn with... Fortunate Harbinger! Madcap youth! Brave Greek! Romeo embraces Constance, but lingers a little too long with... Did my heart love till now? Forswear it, nay, for I ne'er saw true beauty till this day. Now we have put our angry weapons up. Let's hide to Mistress Burnbottoms to put up and to sheath our junken tools of sport. Lewd Renaissance gestures and laughter throughout the following dreadful jokes. A bod and falling apart with the pox. Take care. She'll pay thee and with a French crown too. Ay, a bald pate for a little head. I'd as leaf to pluck a green mate off the street. Thou'dst feel that green fruit yurking in thy guts when that her kinsfolk venged her maidenhead. She'd never know who'd had her maidenhead, for I would pass as quickly through the wench as any fruit so green would pass through me. Laughter. Constance nervously, nervously bites her thumbnail. Do you bite your thumb at me, sir? No, I just bite my nails, that's all. Do you bite your nails at me, sir? No, I swear. Look, I'll never bite them again. This will be a great chance for me to quit once and for all. Thanks. Pause. The boy's tense. Will there be a fight? You're welcome. Now, to the baths! New friendship to baptize. To the baths, to the baths! Come, Greekling, splash with us. Romeo, Tybalt, and Mercutio hoist Constance onto their shoulders. No, wait, I can't. I had a bath today. What's more, I've got a lot of things to do. I have to buy a lute, a sword, some hose, and teach a class or two before it's noon, in time to see a man about a horse. I'd see thee mounted well in stallion flesh. Beware, thou art deceived, not in a mare. Romeo, Tybalt, and Mercutio exit. Thank God they think I'm a man. Thank you. Oh, thank you. How long can I avoid their locker room? 
Those guys remind me of the Stratford shows I've seen, where each production has a Roman bath. The scene might be a conference of state, but steam will rise and billow from the wings, while full-grown men in Velcro loincloths speak while snapping towels at each other. Why is it Juliet's scenes with her nurse are never in a sauna? Or King Lear, imagine Goneril and Regan steaming as they plot the downfall of their dad while tearing the hot wax from each other's legs. Ophelia, drowning in a whirlpool full of naked women. Portia, pumping iron. A woman screams within, male laughter. I want to go home. I want to see my cats. I want to read Jane Eyre again and never leave the house. Where's the fool? Where's the damn fool? How come I end up doing all this work? I should have waited in the wings for him to leap on stage and stop the fight. And then I could have pinned him down and forced him to reveal the author's name. The author who must know my true identity. The author who... Watch a pee. There must be a convent around here somewhere. Exit Constance. tuning into this episode of the UTSC Drama Society Summer Reading Series. Thank you again to all of our fantastic readers, and don't forget to check out our Instagram to vote on which show you'd like to see us produce for the beginning of the season. Catch you next time!